0: This is the Sandy Boy Productions podcast. This coaching series on All Have Another podcast is brought to you by VDOT. You can use VDOT to help with your training, or if you are a coach, you can use it as well. VDOT is a coaching app for runners of all levels based on the science of legendary exercise scientist and coach, Dr. Jack Daniels. If you're a coach and you want to learn more, send me an email, lindsay at sandyboyproductions.com. You can get a free 30-day coaching trial. And if you are interested in using their adaptive trainer as an athlete, just go to v.o2.com or download v.o2 on iOS or Android. You can use the code Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y for 20% off. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsey Hine. All right. Today for the coaching series, I am so excited to welcome Jenna Reardon to the podcast. She is the assistant coach for Hoka Naz Elite. She joined their coaching staff in January of 2021 after a very long and successful career in the NCAA. She's really traveled all over the country for her coaching career, including jobs at Appalachian State University, Zap Fitness, Tempe, Arizona, where she worked with the Sun Devils, uh, which also happens to be her alma mater. She also worked at Queens University in Charlotte, North Carolina, High Point University, where she was twice named Big South Coach of the Year, and most recently, before heading to NAZ Elite, she was the assistant coach at the University of Louisville, where she coached since 2016 and worked with multiple NCAA All-Americans, including a 2017 national steeplechase champion and a 10,000 meter runner-up. So Jenna also ran at Arizona State University and some of her teammates included Amy Craig and Des Linden. So you better believe I asked her about that as well. I loved hearing about her role at NAZ Elite and also her journey to get there. Also being a mom and a coach and what that looks like she's got some really interesting things to say about that as well thank you so much jenna for coming on the show and hey friends so vdot has been supporting this series as you know you've probably heard me talk about it many times in the intro and the mid rolls and i want you to know i did an instagram live with one of the founders brian over on my instagram you can find it Lindsay heinz 626 I saved that Instagram live and I actually pinned it as well. So you can find that entire conversation. If you have any questions at all about VDOT and the programs and services they offer both for coaches and athletes, I highly encourage you to go over to my Instagram again. It's Lindsay Hine six, two, six, and it is the most recent pinned post over there. And I do a 20 minute interview with Brian and he tells you everything you need to know about what VDOT is. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Jenna Rieden. All right, so excited to have Jenna Rieden on the podcast, assistant coach at Hoka Aneane NAZ Elite. Welcome to the show, Jenna. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. I think I said that backwards. Do you say NAZ Elite? Hoka uh, was, Ane Ane? Yeah, oh, they yeah, don't do an anymore. Yeah, exactly. Just hoka.
1: Hoka is yeah. sufficient. Yeah.
0: It's so funny because the first time back in the day I actually learned that it was Aneane Ane instead of one one <laughs> was I think it was twenty seventeen and I interviewed Kellen Taylor and she was like, Oh, and did you know? And told me <laughs> the deal. But when when did they get rid of the Aneane? Ane? Like two years ago? Yeah, I think about two years ago, it's probably just for the reason
1: you're explaining. <laughs> <laughs> like nobody actually knew how to say it. Yeah,
0: exactly. This this seems to flow better. Totally. Well, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast for this coaching series that we're doing. And I don't know why we haven't had you on yet. I think that when you joined in AZ Elite, I was like, oh, I need to have her on the podcast. So I guess I just needed a coaching series to make it happen. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, gosh, I appreciate it so much. I think as an assistant coach, you probably, you know, probably don't get asked to interviews as much. This is only the second podcast in my life that I've ever done. So I apologize in advance. Um, but, yeah, I really appreciate you even like considering chatting with me. So thank you.
0: Well, I love it. And, you know, I've had Ben on the show several times and, um, so many things have changed with the group in the past couple of years. So many new additions to the team. You guys have brought on Alan Culpepper, like so many exciting things. So, um, let's maybe just start with your coaching background though. Before you went to work with NAZ Elite, you had quite a robust resume in the college running scene. Did you always want to be a coach? Yeah. I mean, I
1: think I kind of like slowly fell into it. Um, it wasn't like I was necessarily like 10 years old dreaming of being a coach. Um, but I think as I went through college athletics, that definitely solidified um, my desire. And then I've also been really lucky my entire life and career. I've had amazing coaches always starting in you know middle school, high school, college, and then Pretty much every institution I've worked at has, has had um, really, like, just genuine, heartfelt, intelligent, caring coaches. And I think that helped me have that little push that I needed, that this was the career that was right for me. So that's – I'm very grateful for that. And so, yeah, I coached in college for 12 years before I came to NAZ Elite. And um, most recently at the University of Louisville.
0: I love hearing that, that you have had such great experiences as an athlete with your coaches, but also as the coaches you've worked with and the programs you've been in. Um, You ran for Arizona State University. I did. Yep. I was a very average runner there. <laughs> and for those listening, she Jenna ran with Amy Craig and Des Linden. So you were on a team that produced some pretty like, rock star professionals. What was that yeah. team experience like? I know it was so long ago, but it's kind of fun to talk about that <laughs> and hear not about that. that long ago, right? <laughs> we're um, probably about the same age. I'm probably a little yeah. older than you.
1: <laughs> no, I like to think it was just yesterday. Um, I know. But no, it was awesome. We had a really awesome program and team. And uh, I was lucky enough to have um, Walt Drenth as my coach for two years and Louis Quintana, um, who's now at Oregon State, as my coach for two years. So two drastically different coaches, but both very, very good. How were they so different? Oh, gosh. Um, Well, Walt's Coach Drenth, I still call him Coach Drenth, was like just direct to the point, no emotion, no feelings. But like, I mean, he cared deeply about you and the team, but um, he wasn't going to tiptoe around anything that needed to be communicated, Mm. um, which I highly respected. I think the first or second day of practice he told me that I needed to stop wearing these like oversized large soccer shorts because I was (laughs) like a total tomboy and like not you know not that classic growing up as a runner you know with uh with all the Bells and whistles, and he was just like, "Yeah, you probably should make that transition, <laughs> you know, <laughs> into being a serious runner."
0: That's so interesting, though, because you were like a standout athlete in high school, and so you were still wearing these like big baggy soccer shorts when you got to college. Yeah, I mean i I had problems, you <laughs> know. Like i just <laughs> I just was kind of
1: like doing my own thing, and I really wanted to be a soccer player because I, you know, that's where all the glory is, right? That's where you're meant to be athletic and, um, it's, you know, people are more familiar with it, but then obviously became a better and better runner. Mm. Um, I was okay in high school. I mean, I had, I was again, lucky enough to uh, have people in high school like Sarah, now Sarah Slattery Mm. was two years ahead of me in the state of Arizona. Stephanie Bruce, who, Life Has Brought Us Together, again, was also in my class in high school. Um, Like they went to your high school? No, no, no. We just like competed competed against against each other. other. Okay, that's what I thought, okay. Yeah, and Sally Meyerhoff, who was a very, very good runner in the state of Arizona, who ended up going to Duke University. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think I was decent in, in high school, but by no means a standout.
0: But did you – I thought I heard you say you ran a 505 mile in high school. I think it was 502. I mean, yeah. that is – that. <laughs> I mean, to me, I, that sounds really fast for high school women. And I don't know what that landscape has – you know, how that landscape has changed now. Do high school yeah. kids wear super shoes? They do. So okay. certainly okay. that's changing the landscape now. Um,
1: but even, like, when I was coaching in college, I think that's probably – Jaded or giving me perspective of what a 502 mile is. Totally. And, um, just how much depth we have in our sport is amazing. Um, but it's also like super competitive. So it's, it's tough to make an impact at the collegiate level. You know, if you're not running very, very fast or like in the top, you know, certain percentage of, of your high school class.
0: What was that like competing as like a middle of the Packer? I don't know where you were, but were you like a middle of the Packer on your college team? Yeah. So I had a really
1: interesting and fun and now grateful experience in college where like at Arizona State, um, I was a walk-on and I um, was basically like competing for a spot on the travel squad, like trying my darndest to make the top. 10 to 7, like, my entire four years there. Um, And so the cool thing about that was that, like, you mentioned, like, just being teammates with Amy and Des and many other women, not just Amy and Des, that, like, the one thing I always, like, gained confidence in was the work ethic. And Mm -hmm. we had an amazing team that way. Like, we just – the women in particular, like, we could just grind – and so I could always like level myself with anyone on the team based on work ethic, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Like, if you're going to run 10 miles, I'll run 10 miles. You know, if you're going to run up South Mountain and which is like this tough long run in Phoenix, um, just straight up and straight down, you know, then I'm going to do that. And so, like, retrospectively, it was not smart. Um, honestly, I probably tra- <laughs> tra- trained way too hard. Um, but I, f- I felt empowered to like match anyone with their mileage or their work ethic or like that's just something that like, no one could take away from me. Mm. Cause I had a fairly decent perspective on like my talent and mm. my ability to, you know, just how I kind of fell within the pack. Um, So that was kind of cool, you know, that I had that perspective from Arizona State. And then I actually went to grad school at Appalachian State in Boone, North Carolina. So another ASU. Um, And Mm -hmm. I went from being like fighting to make the varsity team to being like the number one or number two runner my final year of my fifth year of running. Um, And that was like a huge relief and a ton of fun. And I really enjoyed being part of, like, a smaller Division One team, kind of with the background that I had being part of, like, a, a very successful team. In the, back then it was Pac-10, um, and we were fourth in the nation in cross-country. Wow. Um, and the year after I graduated, ASU won an indoor track title as well. So very, very good program, and I enjoy having that perspective like as I go along my career now.
0: Yeah. It's kind of cool that you have both perspectives as an athlete. you competed on a, in a smaller D1 and a larger one. Did you ever make that travel team at Arizona? Yeah. Yeah. There were a
1: couple of times, maybe twice in four years that um, I was able to pull it off, <laughs> but nice. you know, it wasn't ever as epic as you imagined it in your head. <laughs> um, it's, yeah. You're up against the best people in the country and
0: it was um, humbling to say the
1: least.
0: Yeah. I imagine we can put it, like, put that picture into perspective in any different amount of things we've done in our own lives. Like, as you say that I'm picturing myself as a high school runner being at the state meet where like my team made it to state, but I was like the fifth runner on my high school team. And we were like, you know, way at the bottom, but it's just like, it was so cool. The first year we made it to state, but I was like, you know, such a little tiny fish in these, like, (laughs) this crazy sea of amazing athletes. Um,
1: So, yeah, yeah, it's totally cool, but
0: it's very intimidating. Totally, and I think
1: that carries on through any level. So, what you're talking about, what I'm talking about um, now, even at the pro level, if we have someone make the Olympic team, you can't tell me that that's not intimidating, especially for the first time. And so you have to learn how to deal with those intimidating yet amazing opportunities. You have to have like a sense of gratitude, but also a sense of confidence and an ability to stay level-headed and not be like too starstruck in any situation that you're in. And I don't know, I just find that that's like the thing that sets apart these athletes that I'm working with at any level. We'll talk about this one because <laughs> this is where I'm at with NAZ Elite. But um, they seem to have a really good perspective of level-headedness, even though it's like it's work. it's mm. na- It doesn't just come naturally all the time. It's work to to remain calm and to know that you earned, you know, earned right on the starting line. Um, but that's just the first step because then, <laughs> you know, you need to have that confidence uh, to race the best in the world.
0: Yeah. It's like that, uh, you need to strike that balance of being humble, but also being confident, you know, like I belong here with these people on this starting line, but don't, you know, don't put yourself like, you know, at this level where you might not be yet, or if it's your first experience, that's so interesting though. I always think about that because who was I, I was just interviewing Emily McKay yesterday and she's like a new, you know, you know Mm -hmm. who she is. Of course you do. Um, kind of new on the pro scene and we were talking about this like you want to give it your all right now you want to have breakout years but at the same time you want to make sure you're pacing things so that you're not peaking too soon or similar to like a college athlete like you don't want your freshman to have her best year of the four years she's you know going to be there so I wonder with new pros how do you talk to them about that?
1: <laughs> well, the coolest thing about our team is I don't have to talk. Because um, <laughs> we have veteran women in particular in our group that I feel like their actions do a lot of the talking. I mean, Steph Bruce has been on this team since its inception. So I think that's like eight years or nine. Sorry if I'm getting the, the actual number wrong. But um, Kellen Taylor... Alafine Tuliamuk. these women are in their mid-30s to upper 30s, and they've been running professionally, you know, since they got out of college, and they've had amazing ups and downs throughout that whole process. And so it's so awesome for our younger men and women who are coming in straight out of college who are, like, 23 years old or who knows with COVID, like, 25. Yeah. Um, But either way, like, they have um, these amazing leaders and um, people to look up to who have been through everything. And I mean everything. And so, like, I think it gives them hope. Like, look at look at these women. They're still crushing. And mm. they've been running on this team, you know, for years and years and years, um, multiple Olympic cycles. So when a 23-year-old comes you know, here, they're, it's normal for them to think, oh, okay, I'm going to take this as far and as long as I can to see how good I can be. Whatever, you know, whatever limit that is, that depends on the person. But I don't know. The example has been set, I guess, is what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, I love that about your team. When the job for the assistant coach at NAZ popped up, tell me what your thought process was with... <laughs> Applying, I'm sure that there were like hundreds of applications. There had to be a ton.
1: Yeah, that was that whole intimidation factor that we talked about earlier. Again, carries on to like our own professional careers as coaches or as business people. Yeah, there's definitely a piece of me that was like, ah, oh, there's no way I'm going to get this, but I'm going to apply. And the the coolest thing, and again, I'm so grateful for this, is that Ben was so willing to look at every candidate. I mean, I saw the opening on Twitter, so I was one of many uh, yeah. to, <laughs> to tell you the truth, and that's really cool because a lot of times in our industry, whether it's collegiate or professionally, that's not how it happens. You know, sometimes how does it people. Happen? Oh, you know, sometimes people can be like handpicked um, by a company, or um, they can be highly recommended from you know different connections that you have. Which isn't necessarily wrong, but to for Ben to open it up to the public, basically was the only way that I would have had a shot um, mm-hmm. because I don't I did not know Ben at all. Um, I barely knew anything about the program. i I really took a chance. I took a leap of faith, and it was something that I was thinking about a while was for a while to get out of um, or at least take a different direction than I was currently in as an assistant in collegiate coaching. And it wasn't necessarily like I had a plan per se, but when that information came across my doorstep, I just kind of said, wow, that sounds like an amazing opportunity. It sounds like a ton of fun. I want to go for it. And it was one step after the other, you know, being able to connect with Ben and, have some interviews with him and Zoom meetings with the team, and then coming out for like an in person interview, and ultimately I got to stay here, so I'm super pumped that I don't know it worked out for for
0: them and for me. So you're from Arizona. You you bopped around quite a bit though, like you were in Charlotte, Louisville. Yeah, <laughs> I followed the job
1: honestly. Like I just when I went anywhere there was an opportunity. Um, I just kept going, kept climbing. And that was part of my decision is, I don't know if anyone in the coaching world, collegiate coaching world can relate to this, but I just fi- found myself climbing this endless ladder mm. where I was just like mm. constantly trying to see what my next step was. And I never felt like completely settled in in a place where I'm like, okay, I feel like I can dig my heels in here and... Have an impact and like have a career here, and have a home base here. And so that's what NAZ Elite offered me. You know, if I found a place where I could dig in and call my home and um, just feel like really comfortable mm. in my career. Not that I don't want to be challenged because I do, but I just didn't want to feel like I was constantly looking over my shoulder or climbing this ladder to like no end result.
0: That sounds so exhausting.
1: Uh, it was for me. Now, I'm, I, I hate to like say this, that that's the way it is for anybody, but that was my experience.
0: Yeah, it sounds so beautiful too, a place to call home. You know, I, um, I'm reading, have you read the book, The Boys in the Boat? <laughs> that's funny. I have not read it, but it's on my bookshelf. So well, not yet. <laughs> it has been on my bookshelf for years. And um we have this little group called Relay where we we have content over there. It's like nine creators and we are doing a book club and I said, listen, let's do the boys in the boat for this book club because I feel like that's the only way I'm gonna commit to reading it because I don't know about your book, but it's like mine, the text is really small and it kind of, it's going to take you, it takes a couple chapters to like get into it, to get invested in the character. So that's why I kept putting it off. But anyway, the reason I bring that up is as I'm reading this book, I'm learning about this team and how they work together and how invested the coaches are. And it is so it makes me want to be on a team. Like it is so beautiful to see how excited they are and how well they work together and how they like live and breathe this. And I mean, I was even watching the IU women's basketball game the other day that a really close game um, against Iowa. They lost and I was sad, but (laughs) just seeing these coaches and the fire in their eyes, I was like, Oh my gosh, coaching has to be such a rewarding job. Do you feel that? Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, the coolest part about
1: this job and my job right now in particular is that I am coaching in the pro world and I'm a part of a team. That in itself is a rarity. And that was like the number one draw for me to come out of a collegiate system where team culture was all you talked about. um, And all you strived for as a coach was creating a sustainable, positive team culture, which sounds easy and is incredibly difficult Mm. and um so yeah I mean like I've always had a healthy respect for like in college in for track and field like I've always had a healthy respect for the other field events and running events you know I just feel like there's something really unique about um someone who knows their craft really well and and you see them and you you see them execute every day and you see how dedicated they are because you're their teammate. But let's say you're a distance runner watching a high jumper. You don't really understand necessarily everything that they're doing, but there's a, a mutual level of respect for that high jumper and vice versa for yourself because you're both in pursuit of a higher goal. Mm. And so I bring that, like, attitude to NAZ Elite um, because, you know, Alphine, Tulemuk and um, Abby Nichols are not necessarily – their training programs are quite different, let's just say. Um, but there's a high level of respect for one another, and the pursuit is, you know, the pursuit is to see how good you can be of course, but, like, you're pulling other people along with you in that process. And it's such a unique and empowering environment. Um, It creates momentum, and that's, like, my biggest thing. And Alan talks a lot about this because when he was a pro, he was solo all the time. Mm. There weren't any training groups. He said sometimes he used to, like, time his workouts just when he knew other people would be at the track – just to create, like, a little bit of momentum and a little bit of hype just to get him through, like, a tough session. And so we have to remember that, like, what we have is pretty unique and pretty amazing, and we've created momentum. So, like, even with, um, like, USA Indoors a couple weeks ago, we had a phenomenal meet, I think, for uh, Abby, Chrissy, uh, Katie, Olin, and Cruz – Um, all were able to compete at a high level and then like alphine and um, lauren and Futsum, they felt that they were pumped by it and then they went out and ran the half marathon championships last weekend and crushed you know um and now we're going into the 10 which is like a high level 10k in california this weekend and like the momentum is just going and going and going and so that to me is like the best part about a team is creating momentum
0: All right, now this series, I've got a new sponsor that I'm really excited about because I've been using their programs for years. I'm a running coach myself and have been using VDOT for years. So VDOT02 is a coaching app for runners of all levels based on the science of legendary exercise scientist and coach, Dr. Jack Daniels. Vita offers access to the highest quality Olympic style training for runners of all levels, right from any mobile device. It's designed to help runners train correctly and more intelligently. Vita elicits maximum benefit while reducing the required effort. Dr. Jack Daniels spent his life researching how runners get faster. And one of his major findings was that running more or faster in your workouts doesn't always mean better results. VDOT workouts promote healthy, responsible, and beneficial sessions while simultaneously preventing overtraining. Did you hear that? I don't wanna overtrain, do you? So listen, I've got a couple discounts for you all, depending on what you might be interested in with VDOT. So if you're an athlete and you don't have a coach and you wanna check out VDOT, they have a great adaptive trainer. It is so simple. You input your training preferences and the app will personalize your workouts and coach you leading up to your future races. And unlike most running apps, VDOT knows you. It understands the type of runner you are, what you're training for and how to maximize your efforts. It also gives you more control over your training, leveraging your feedback to deliver real time data, which fine tunes your training and leads to continuous progression. All right. so. You can check out VDOT. If you are an athlete and you wanna check it out, download VDOT02 on your smartphone or visit VDOT02.com, select Adaptive Trainer and use the code Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y for 20% off. Okay, now listen, if you're a coach like me or you're someone whose friends are always coming to you for advice about running, you can learn how to utilize the platform for your runners. This is what I use. I've been using it for probably four years now. And, you know, I've been coaching runners for nine, maybe 10 years. And it is so much simpler with a VDOT. It has taken my workload down. And I really enjoy scheduling workouts in VDOT. And then athletes can leave comments on their workouts straight from the app. I can look at it on my phone. It is such a time saver for any coach. Uh, you can try this out for a 30 day, free trial, visit v.o2.com to learn more. And if you are a listener and you're a coach and you'd like a free coaching consultation with the team at v.o2 to discuss your coaching situation and how you can leverage the app to help your athletes perform, email me. I will talk you through it at lindsay at sandyboyproductions.com. What do you think makes a good positive team culture and it's got to be different. I mean, your answer might not be different for pros than college, but you're working with people that are more mature adults in a professional team setting and are living their independent lives outside of going to class. And, you know, you mentioned Steph and Kellen and now Alephine every, you know, they have families. And so, yeah, that culture looks a lot different because you're very young athletes are living a very different life than Steph and Alephine and Kellen. So how do you make that – how does that culture work? I do think it's very different. Having been a part of both worlds,
1: um, I think that like at this level, you know, you get – it's a job. It's your career. Your career depends on your body and your mind and your performance and your consistency and – It also depends on like your genuine love for the sport, which might sound corny, but it's totally true. I mean, if you don't have that, then why the heck would you put yourself through this when you can go get a desk job that pays more, you know, whatever it is. Um, It's just a, it's definitely different. So I think because those women and men, like particularly parents, we have quite a few men on our team who are also parents. Good point. Um, they they have to show up for their kids, so they also have to, like, get the job done, get the business part of their training done. And then they have to move on with their day and, and move on to being a parent or doing other things that they love that are a big part of their life. Um, and so, like, it's not like we're having – necessarily, like, in college, you might have all these, like, pasta dinners or mm-hmm. team dinners or team um, – hangouts and you're trying to kind of like I don't want to say force that a little bit but um, create like the relationships in a stronger way where I feel like at this level the respect is earned through like just seeing each other's work ethic and pursuing the same goal but we're not necessarily um, always hanging out outside of practice because life is is too busy and there's too much balance that needs to happen um, now, get, don't get me wrong, we do hang out, we have barbecues, and uh, we do a lot of things together, but I think we prioritize
0: um, our families too. Yeah, there's less hand holding there too. Definitely when you're less hand holding. Yeah. yeah. I loved what you said about women coaches on Mario Frioli's podcast a couple years ago. Like, when he asked that question and you know, you talked about how like, okay, well, men who are coaches that have kids as well, like it's the same thing. Like they also have to choose. Do I want to be away from my family this much? Or, you know, and we kind of like, don't ever say that. It's that, it's that question that people, it drives people crazy. It's like, well, when women get asked, like, how do you do it all with your kids? Like, why aren't they asking men that question too? Yeah. Um, and I think that times are changing, right? Like men are way more sharing parenthood duties than they were 20 years ago, even 20, even 10 years ago, probably. Um, but tell me about that part of your life as a new mom and what that looks like with your coaching and traveling and how you divvy up responsibilities with your husband. What does he even do? (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, he was a also a track coach until I drove him across the country um uh, for my career. Um but awesome. Yeah, so he's uh he does a lot. He's a stay at home dad, and that's one of his many, many jobs. But he also started his own handyman business here in Flagstaff. And um yeah, he's kind of a jack of all trades, like puts pieces things together to to help me pursue what I love. Um, and I think just to answer your question earlier, like behind any of those women that I just talked about who do have kids, there's a supportive spouse, you know, that's allowing them <laughs> to do their job. So that's, you know, typically they're sacrificing something to allow the other spouse to do their job um, or pursue something that they love. So yeah, like for me, I'm lucky that I have that, but I've seen it a lot. And I've seen it like in our um, men and women who are parents on the team, like their spouses or significant others are really understanding of the the pursuit of the athlete, or in my case, the coach, like they have their back, you know, like they're going to allow their Spouse to go on a 12-mile run or do two double-threshold sessions a day and take a nap in between. And that's just what it looks like to be a supportive um, spouse, particularly with kids. So I was doing the math. We have we have six athletes on the team with kids, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is another, like, unique and different part about our team and about totally. our group. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure like totally what the other groups look like, so forgive me if I misspeak, but I feel like it goes back to that same um, the same sentiment of like the example has been set. If you want to have a long professional career, we're going to help you do that. If you want to have kids, that's t- that's cool. If you're a guy, if you're a girl, have kids. I mean, if you think mm-hmm. about it, particularly on the women's side, because having a child as a professional athlete um is different for a woman from the physical perspective um but uh we're hiring people from ages 20 like we range from ages 23 to 39 so people are going to have kids in that yeah. time frame and it's cool so like it's just it's just such an outdated way to think um, unfortunately that like and I went through this too um being in my upper thirties, even like not being a, not having to rely on my body for my job. I still pushed having kids later and later and later. Cause I'm like, ah, oh, I'm going to follow my career, pursue the career, pursue the career, pursue the career. So I didn't have, um, my first child until I was almost 37 years old. And that was kind of stupid. Like, <laughs> it was just like, I mean, looking back and you just have that as a female, you have a little bit of, um, I don't know if it's fear or just like kind of what people have been telling you or what you see in society. You're just like, oh, I can't do that. I can't, I can't do both. But obviously, that's changing. I mean, there's so many examples in our own team and outside of our team um, with women having children and um, being great pro runners through that whole process.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think too, with having a baby, it's like you don't really know what you're going to want to do after you have the baby. Like maybe you will want to step back in your career. Maybe it won't change anything at all. And you'll like with your desire to keep doing what you're doing. And so I think as women, that is one of the reasons why we wait. Cause we're like, well, I've got a good thing going right now. And like, is this going to slow my momentum down? Is it going to make me, am I going to be so tired? I can't focus. Like there's so many factors that go into it. Yeah, it's hard. There are a I lot totally of factors. Get it. Yeah. I get why you why you waited and um
1: Oh, yeah. if I could leave an impression on any woman listening to this, I would say like don't wait. If you want to mm-hmm. have kids, have kids. I mean it's not your career's not going to end. Um and if it does, you're working for the wrong company and you need
0: to leave that company anyways. <laughs> and here here's the other piece to that is like having kids is going to be hard, regardless of how old you are when you do it. Like it's, it's just becoming a parent is a really hard job. And so it doesn't, it doesn't matter where that lines up. And I think that Steph is a great example of really great success post babies. But yeah, I love that. I love that you say that too. That's, I feel like that's, um, could be a hard thing to to say. It's not hard for me anymore. Um, but
1: it's because of people like Steph that it's not hard. Mm -hmm. You know, she's the one that had to deal with a lot more hard times than I did uh, just because it wasn't as acceptable or at least there were more challenges to navigate those waters, you know, almost 10 years ago. I feel like it's rapidly changing, obviously Mm -hmm. due to some high-level athletes being dropped by shoe companies when they got pregnant. Um, You know, like Allison Felix has been really outspoken about that. So Those types of trailblazers have always kind of made these statements easier for someone like me to be like, yeah, let's have kids, you know, like, let's do what's important to you and what you love and let's get you still to the highest level um, of athletics that you can get to because
0: that's the whole reason you're doing this. Totally. And so cool for your kids to see you do that, like to see... Their parent pursues something at the highest level. Um, I am curious when you go to NAZ elite and you start working with this longer distance, I know that you guys have athletes that are doing shorter stuff too, but, um, you transition to working with marathoners and half marathoners yeah. and, um, you kind of have to like learn a little bit about more about that part of running. So talk us through that process. Oh yeah, definitely.
1: I came out of the collegiate system where, you know, the longest event was 10,000 meters. And, uh, I think my first practice or one of my first practices with Ben, we did 20 by 600. And for me, (laughs) I was just like, oh yeah, that must be like normal. Like that's what marathoners do all the time, which actually isn't totally the case. Um, Ben Rosario has really opened my eyes to like, um, the side of training where, particularly in marathon training, where people can handle and learn how to handle really um, long, grindy, big sessions, 20 by 600, 20 by K, 15 by mile, 16 mile steady states. I mean, things that like, yeah, when I first got here, I was like, okay, that's just like what you do. But then I realized over time that um, not everybody does that. And I think it has given our marathoners a bit of an edge in terms of like being very, very well prepared for the distance. Um, so
0: I've learned a lot from Ben. How do you and Ben and Alan, I guess Alan's kind of more in the, in the weeds of that than Ben is these days. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong. Nope. You're right. Okay. But like, how do you, how do you dance around that with, different athletes, because some athletes can handle that higher volume than others, or others just might have to like really put more work in on the strength side to make sure their body is durable enough. So like, how do you analyze those things? Yeah. I mean, again, I'm really lucky to
1: be around such smart coaches and such thoughtful minds. Um, I know when Alan sits down and like, so basically Alan's, you know, he's writing training from 800 meters to the marathon. Again, I think another unique part about our group. Um, and so but the cool thing is is that while he's doing that, he has Ben's experience and Ben's mind and his uh, experience with working with some of our veteran marathoners like on what they respond to and what their strengths are and what their weaknesses are. And then he has my mind coming from the collegiate world, um, having some experience working with like high level collegiates. In the 1500 or the steeplechase or the 5k and so it's why we have three coaches basically or three staff members I think it's like a really good working relationship and really good perspective we each bring different things to the table and um, of course in a, a pro on a pro team it's not a one-size-fits-all training program every single person has their own unique training plan And then after, like, that comes out, then we look for overlap. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, however we can get that, again, like, a little bit of team energy and team overlap. But we can't do that at the sacrifice of someone's um, physiology, basically, or, or how they're built and how they're meant to train.
0: What does practice look like? Like, what are you doing? Are you holding a watch? Are you yelling at people to, like, oh, yeah. keep I'm, together? Tell us, <laughs> tell us what that
1: looks like. I'm really good at holding a stopwatch. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, practice is a ton of fun. Again, like, I've had good experience in college being able to manage, like, three or four or five workout groups on the track mm. at the same time. So, like, that type of organized chaos feels pretty comfortable to me. Yeah. Um, with like different people doing different things. But, you know, sometimes I'll be, uh, in one location, let's say maybe I'm with the marathoners and we have like a long session out on Lake Mary road. Uh, and then during that same day, Alan will be with the track group, you know, at the NAU dome. And that's why, again, why we have more than one coach because we need eyes on people and we need to see how they're responding to the training. And like, You know, if I'm, like, walking or if I'm on a bike, let's say, um, next to, like, Futsum, I can see how he's breathing and, like, how he's handling the steady state. And then, you know, afterwards, Alan and Ben and I will all kind of talk about the different sessions and how people handled them and um, how they are coming off of them and
0: recovering. So, like, it's just constant communication all the time. So tell us a little bit, like now that Ben is kind of overseen in a different way, and it's you and Alan. Well, how long ago did Alan join? A year and a half, something like that. Has yeah, that there? sounds about
1: right. I came in just before Alan did, and just before, really. Yeah. Oh well, several months. I, I've been here for almost, or just over two years now.
0: Okay. Um, Why does it 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 feels longer to me as someone <laughs> in the a good outside thing. world? Yeah. That's yeah. A good thing. yeah. Yeah. So. Did it, did it feel like a, a – I guess if you'd only been there for a few months before he joined, it maybe didn't feel like a massive shift? Um, I was there a little longer. I don't
1: know the exact amount of months. But um, it was a little bit of a – I guess something that I ha- didn't see coming um, initially. So okay. I was just like, oh, wow, we're getting another coach. And uh, what does that mean for me? And that kind of thing. But I don't think we could have found a better fit than Alan. Mm-hmm. He is – really amazing like he's just super like cool as a cucumber super respectful of me and um yeah it's been like really fun working with him he's very knowledgeable very um scientific and knows a lot about physiology and um, I've learned I've always had you know a passion for that so I've learned a lot from him that way um so I would say, like, the transition was pretty seamless. Um, I thought it was kind of cool when he was first hired. He sort of just sat back and, and observed and did a really nice job of, like, taking in how we interact and, and what we do and and what my role was. And, yeah, after that time period, he it was just like, let's roll. Like, there was 100% trust in what I was doing. And... um working alongside of me and not feeling like it was like oh well now this new person is here and they're going to change everything and they're going to uh-huh. dictate what you do and it wasn't like that at all so it was a pretty easy transition
0: so does your family i know you're from arizona like are they close to fat flagstaff yeah my
1: sister lives in phoenix um which okay. is awesome
0: okay mm-hmm. that is that like that's like an hour
1: right it's like two hours yeah
0: okay Um, I know that Ben had mentioned last time I talked to him, maybe it was a year ago, um, you know, about changes with the team and recruiting and and bringing on these new athletes and whatnot. Like, what does that look like? And how are you involved in that recruitment process?
1: I'm involved, you know, just like in everything. (laughs) And However I can help, I'm trying to help. Obviously, I have a lot of experience with recruiting, being from college. But I, you know, it's so different, right, because we're recruiting at this level like the top 10 people in the country mm. versus like in college where I was sending out hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of letters and emails and um, wow. phone calls and texts. It's just honing in on the best talent. And then from there, figuring out who these people are, what their character is, what they're driven by and like seeing it, they will be a good fit in our type of environment. So I'm involved in just like the planning of that and also like getting to, just getting to know people and, um, kind of organizing visits and things like that. Yeah, so that's that's the main thing in recruiting. We kind of, Ben and Alan and I sort of just pursue it together. Mm. I love to see Paige
0: Stoner jo- joining the Oh, team. yeah,
1: me too. I, again, another connection from college. Like she was in the ACC at Syracuse when I was at Louisville. So okay. I got to watch her race all the time at conference meets and I knew she was just like, a grinder and a heck of a competitor. So I was like super pumped when she decided to join our team.
0: Oh, that's so good. When I interviewed her in December, she hadn't announced it yet, but it was like, she, I knew she was leaving Reebok and I wasn't resigning with them, but I didn't know where she was going. And then like a week later she announced. And so that was so exciting. And I, cause I feel like I've interviewed a lot of people from different teams, obviously, but like, I don't know. I have a special connection with you guys. I feel like I've been interviewing NAZ people for so (laughs) long and I'm just like, I'm very emotionally um, connected to you guys. So when I see someone like Paige join that I've kind of been following, it makes me so excited.
1: Yeah, totally. That's uh, well, we appreciate you saying that. And I've heard good things about all good things about you too, with all the people that you've talked to. Um, and yeah, it was just like well, you know when someone's the right fit. And from day yeah. one, Paige was the right fit. Um, and so was Footsome and so was Cruz. And gosh, we have 18 people on our team now. And I think that's and the variety and just like the difference between the 800 and the marathon and being coming out of college and you know, being a little bit older than that, like there's just so much um, experience and like wealth of knowledge that they can pull from each other. Um, I just, I really enjoyed that part of our team.
0: I need to go through your roster because I know, yeah, <laughs> I know you keep, you keep mentioning Futsum. Yeah, Futsum
1: Selassie He actually rejoined the team. Uh, he was a part of Anasia Elite before I was here and, and okay. he continued living in Flagstaff and Training and then actually came back and rejoined our team and um, he just recently won the CIM the US. Army okay, that's National what I was going to
0: say. Okay, I thought I thought mm-hmm. he won CIM. That's exciting. Okay, I need to have him on the podcast. That'll be my next. There you go. My next task. <laughs> um, I remember seeing that though. And wait, so him and Paige both won CIM. Yep. <laughs> now, <Yeah>. they're <laughs> now they're here. Now they're there. Okay, putting it all together. That's awesome. Yeah. Um. Okay, well, I guess we need to wrap up here. You guys, um, Jenna, is, it's like, but they have like a snowstorm. And so they had yeah. to delay their workout till later. So we moved the interview. So you got to get out there soon.
1: Yes, the snow is melting as we speak, which is great. And we're going to head out soon. We had about two feet at least of snow oh last gosh. night. So I had to give people time to shovel out their cars before we went, <laughs> before we went for a run.
0: Oh my gosh, that's so wild. It's like... Very warm here right now, and I just I cannot imagine. It's crazy. Yeah, luckily
1: um, for us, we can just drive off the mountain like about thirty. Oh, I'd say like forty-five minutes to fifty-five minutes, and there's no snow, and you know we're good to go. So, luckily, so that's where you'll go.
0: Yeah, we go. We drive south most okay, of the time. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, let's let's wrap up here with our end of podcast questions. I ask everybody. Okay. What's something professionally or personally you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? Oh, gosh. Um,
1: This probably classifies as both, but I would love to go to the Olympic Games. Um, So, yeah, professionally, I would love to be a part of the Olympic Games. And personally, I would love to travel internationally. So that seems like it takes care of both. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, what's, What's the best, most recent book you've read? Okay, so this question was actually like – is pretty difficult for me because I, honestly I don't read a ton currently in my life and I'm also currently reading books about toddlers, which is not that exciting. I'm even what having month, a hard time. Though? I want to know. Oh my gosh. Um, I might have to follow up with some okay. texting because it, it hasn't held my interest um. <laughs> that much. I'm not going to lie. Um, but I will tell you books that I'm looking forward to reading. Um yeah. Obviously, I am probably with like the masses here and wanting to read Des Linden's new book. Of um, course. Choosing to Run and then um, Lauren Fleshman's new book, Good for a Girl. Those are just like, I mean, they seem like you got to read those too. Oh, for sure. Um, and then actually Ben and Steph, Ben Rosario and Steph Bruce are working on a book together. Fun. Um, yeah, so that should be out soon, and I'm very excited to read that as well.
0: Oh, I can't wait, yeah, that's it's gonna be so good. exciting mm-hmm. i will I will tell you on the parenting front, I always felt like like when I was pregnant and had baby and toddler, just like all that stuff. I don't know. I just feel like kids are gonna act like they act, and i I mean, it's good to have have coping tools and things like that, but I started getting interested in reading kids stuff and learning more once they like were big enough that I was like, you really should know better. You really shouldn't be doing that. (laughs) Or like, I just, I wanted to like learn the emotional side of things a little bit more. Um, And I go back and forth. Like part of me is proud of myself for just like letting it be and just like, (laughs) yeah, figuring it out as I went. Um, But part of me is also like, oh, I thought my, two-year-old was completely out of control and like misbehaving and now I just know that like he was just being two and he wasn't you know (laughs) right do we you know I don't know it's um yeah I kind of
1: feel bad about saying those books don't hold my interest but not really because they're just your child is not a book so you just have to kind of take it in stride and like again lucky for me I have athletes on our team who are parents so I'll just Mm. kind of I'll like base stuff off of, like, our conversations and call them for for help. Actually, like, it's kind of nice. They can help
0: me in that regard because they've been through it. Yeah. There's so much incoming information these days, too. Mm -hmm. It's, like, it's so noisy. Mm -hmm. It's, like, very Trusting your gut, I feel like is the best is the best way all the time. Yeah, your kid's probably fine. You're probably yeah. doing a good job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, who's someone fun, motivating, or inspiring you'd like to have coffee to your cocktail with?
1: Oh gosh, this might sound a little bit corny, but honestly, I would love to just have coffee or a cocktail with one of my best friends. Um, mm-hmm. Her name is Jessie McLaughlin, and she was on our team at ASU. Um, and she's just like amazing and we don't talk enough and she does a great job of like giving me perspective in my life if I'm ever stressed about anything. And yeah, so she was, she's the person that is always inspiring, motivating. She did, her line of work is very selfless. Um, she works with foster care, um, kids and she just, is an amazing human. So I know you, no one will know her, but me, but <laughs> that's who I would have coffee with. Is she far from you? Or does she live far away? Uh, she lives in Washington. So okay, not too far, but far enough, far enough
0: that you're not driving over to her house to right. have coffee. Right. Yeah. Um, what's your last message to leave with our audience today?
1: Oh gosh, that's a big pressure question. Um, I know.
0: I used to say your last message is sent to the world and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's too much. Well, to this audience, yeah. this feels a little bit smaller than the world. <laughs> yeah, totally.
1: I mean, I would just say that, um, man, we got a lot going on at NAZ elite and you're probably already fan if you're listening to this podcast, but if not, like we'd love for you to follow our team because I don't know. I just feel like there's good energy and there's a lot of fun and exciting and different types of athletes on our team. And so if you're a fan of the sport, it'd be cool for you to follow along to their stories and what they go through and um, just like their competition results. And I don't know, I feel like we always appreciate that. So that's probably the biggest message. And then kind of like I said before, um, when we're talking about children and, you know, um, if you're a female athlete, I just feel like if that's something you want to do, then you should do it and mm-hmm. find people around you to support that process. Um, and, you know, men as well, if you are ready to have kids and to find a supportive staff around you and family around you and team around you, then I think you should go for it. Um, yeah. Too many times we put it on the back burner.
0: Mm. Love that message. And you NAZ elite people do the best job like, communicating with your fans and making them feel like they're part of the process. And I know that's super important. I know that it's always been important for Ben and I don't see a lot of teams being as community focused as you guys. So thank you for that.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I would say like final thought, Ben is like really honing in on that now because that's, I mean, he always has, but I think now with hiring Alan and allowing Ben to focus on, um, community outreach and fan outreach and marketing and the business side of things um, and just allowing his brain and time to to do the things that he he's always wanted to do with his team. Um, I think the fans are really going to benefit and enjoy that he's like putting so much effort into, um, you know, allowing our team to be
0: accessible, basically. Mm. That's it, accessible. That's it's a perfect way to say it. A lot of sports don't have that. Yeah. Yeah. It's very fun to be a part of.
1: Thank you, Jenna. Yeah. Thanks so much, Lindsay. I appreciate it. I hope you can keep uh, doing podcasts with our team. I mean, there's a lot of people to go through, so.
0: <laughs> I know. I got to get on it. I've had all the, you know, I've had all the old school. I've had Alephine, Steph, Ben, Kellen, Lauren, Paige. You know, and back in the day, the Scots, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, you i got to get, get through this
1: new roster. Yeah, we got to get you some of the rookies. They would love it. And they would, yeah, I think that will be really fun for you to interview them. Okay, we'll definitely do it. Um, all right, thanks. Yeah, thanks, Lindsay.
0: All right, everybody. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Jenna, for coming on the podcast. It was so fun to get to know you. Uh, Friends, you can find Jenna on Instagram. She is J-W-R-I-E-D-E-N over there. You can find me personally. I'm Lindsay Hine 626. And you can follow Sandy Way Productions. That is the production company that I founded and puts together all these great podcasts in our network sandyboyproductions.com is our website sandyboyproductions is our instagram we would love to connect with you on either of those ways and if you have any suggestions for this show or any of our shows in the network please email me lindsay at sandyboyproductions.com or my wonderful assistant emma emma at sandyboyproductions.com we love 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 hearing from listeners All right, we will see you next week on All Have Another. We've got one more coaching series episode in this series. And then, of course, your regular Friday episodes as well, every single Friday. Have a great rest of your day.